if you have your Gita with you, <coughs> with you today, it'll be very helpful because today we're going to go into many qualities, just lots of them. Krishna will start with some divine qualities, but then he decides <laughs> that he's like, you know what, I've spoken a lot about the divine stuff. Let's really tune into the demonic qualities. And of course, it's very important for us to reorient ourselves with what this is, what is Daiva, what is Asura, what is divine, what is demonic, what is evil, what is good, because here those are the two kind of qualities we are working with. And the simplest way for us to look at it as we've been looking at this entire war of Mahabharata is an upward flow and that downward flow. That anything that you would consider asura or demonic, don't think of it naturally as some sort of ugly, evil, dirty, you know, just crude. Although there are aspects of that vibration as well there. But it's just a flow that's downward, which in the sense is, it's a flow towards greater and greater separation. And that's what you can look at evil as. The more we move towards separation, the more evil we will express. The more we move towards unity, the more goodness we will express. So naturally, hatred becomes an evil tendency because hatred separates. Love unites. So it's not so much that somebody decided love's good and hate is bad and you know this one's good and this one goes on to the bad side. If you just remember this kind of defining feature in any of your interactions, in anything that you do, am I working towards greater separation? Then it's a downward pulling force, it's an evil force, or am I working towards greater unity? Now, given that, Krishna is going to offer us some qualities that naturally bring about greater and greater unity, even if not necessarily in that moment. Sometimes, say for example, standing up firmly to an injustice in that moment may not seem like, hey, I'm not uniting with this guy, you know, do I need to uh, somehow bring myself to understand this person completely and allow him this injustice? Or no, in fact, I need to stand up because there'll be gradations in higher and with greater and higher vibrations of truth and whatever that may be we just cho choose the one just above and just above and just above yesterday during a class by Naya Swami Jaya uh, their class was on Seva and somebody asked a question which I don't know kind people take advantage of the fact that I'm kind and he just said very simply after you know, a longer explanation on that he just said you know what, at times when you never know what is right, the only thing you can do is, what is the one thing I can do? <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is, in this moment, to bring a little bit more light. Whatever that is. And it doesn't even actually have to address the issue. It could be something completely different, but it's bringing light. I could just go light a candle on my altar. And that's bringing light even if I'm not addressing whatever the actual issue or the disharmony is. And that's how we begin to move in the direction of greater consciousness by realizing everything's consciousness and if I just attune myself in the right direction I'm already making progress that said so I said let's have our books if you can if you do because we're going to go through so many words it'll just be helpful to be able to read them as well ideally 
it'll be lovely if we make a list of these words because it's wonderful to have them handy especially in times of confusion what should i do just go to these lists and say hmm let's see what krishna says divine and what's you know demonic and then your answers will be so clear okay this one seems like this is one of the qualities i could maybe i can't always bring harmony in but i can bring fearlessness in maybe i can't always bring joy in but i can bring calmness in so on and so forth all right let us begin chapter 16 the godly and demonic natures verse 1 the blessed lord said fearlessness purity of heart perseverance in the acquisition of wisdom and in the practice of meditation sattvic charity self restraint the performance of holy rites which is a symbolic self offering to god and to the devas service to holy persons and agnihotra which is the pouring of oblations into the sacred fire study of the scriptures self discipline straightforwardness harmlessness we moved on to the second verse truthfulness freedom from anger renunciation tranquility disinclination toward fault finding that's a one i really enjoy kindness to all non covetousness gentleness modesty which is not calling attention to oneself steadfastness of purpose radiance of character forgiveness fortitude cleanliness absence of malice absence of self conceit these qualities o descendant of bharata arjuna are the endowments of those who are divinely inclined when i first read these qualities of course you know they're beautiful and uh, they're fairly common sensical I and mean, none of this is like oh wow i didn't realize that's a divine quality but what i enjoyed especially is at the very end krishna doesn't say these are the qualities in he who has you know found some greater awareness it is these are the qualities who are divinely inclined you know it's it's actually quite low on that totem pole of divine consciousness he's just talking about those who are divinely inclined ought to have these qualities not even someone who's actually attained a certain higher consciousness not even someone who's really meditated really hard and has been doing this for many years just divinely inclined i love also the fact that krishna doesn't talk about his life will become easier all things will come to him whenever he wants them you know i mean it's none of that kind of things that we would prefer the spiritual path to be well if i'm going for god i would <laughs> what are my rewards in this path whereas he's just talking about these are the qualities that will naturally become a part of you if you are truly divinely inclined and some of them are just worth touching a little bit upon fearlessness i like that that he starts with fearlessness it takes a lot of courage to give yourself to god entirely narayani in sun on sunday was talking about this example of you know if the trains coming at you and could you really be you know in that moment could shift your awareness to god or you know the fear of this moment will draw you further into really addressing the world as it is and it does take a lot 
problems come to us and immediately our mind goes to the problem. It's very hard in that moment to lift the mind and say, wait, all is Brahman, right? Hey, wait a minute, God knows exactly what I need, right? I mean, it's like, oh no, how can this be and how can that be? And let me go find out, let me go this, let me go ask this person, let me see if a mistake has been made, so on and so forth. So that fearlessness. And Swamiji says in his book, he says, fearlessness can only come once you realize there is nothing in this world that you need to protect. And he says, the final of that being the ego itself. Fear comes because we feel we need to protect the ego and anything that surrounds that. We need to protect things that I own. I need to protect the people that are around me. I need to protect my image. I need to protect my dignity. I need to protect, you know, the words that I have just spoken, so on and so forth and so forth and so forth. So fearlessness, two things. The courage to always lift your awareness to God and the realization that nothing belongs to you that you need to protect because they're always belong to God. Somebody recently asked, I'm having a lot of trouble, you know, uh, accepting God's will because my mother's very sick. And I'm just, you know, having a hard time seeing this sickness as part of God's plan. So what should I really do? And on one hand, he was like, you know, yeah, just surrender more, give more. And that could have been one way to go, but because this is a devotee we know really well and a good friend of us, we're just like, you know what, <laughs> at some point or the other you're going to realize your mom's not your mom. <laughs> She's never been your mom. She's always belonged to God. She has a soul journey that you know not of. At some point you're going to have to have the courage. Just accept that fact. You don't have to, because how should I accept God's will and it's trying to like, it's almost like we're compromising. How can I, if I look at it this way, maybe I accept it. If I look at it this way, I can accept it. What do you mean accept God's will? There is only one will. If you don't accept it, you suffer. If you realize that everything belongs to God, and this is the fearlessness that is required. And that's the first quality Krishna talks about. The other thing I want to talk about is sattvic charity. Swamiji has put that word in there, sattvic charity, which is a natural desire to help and uplift, but it has to be done with the most highest vibration of sattva. And Swamiji, which is very interestingly, he puts that very particular spin on it because you may not think about it necessarily that way, but it's very subtle and it's very karmic. And he says, when doing charity, which is anything, doesn't mean like going and feeding somebody or, you know, going to a hospital or something. I mean, charity is somebody needs something from you, you give it to them. Somebody needs a smile from you, you give it to them. Someone needs your upliftment, you give it to them. You, someone needs your time, someone needs to just you to hear and listen to them, you give it to them. That's charity, just that openness of your being. And he says, never perform charity in a way where the other person becomes karmically obligated to you. Which means it has to be done with such a degree of nishkam karma that you do not create any binding in that process. Otherwise, any action done egoically, even if done joyfully, lovingly, oh, you know, no, no, don't worry, I don't want anything from you, nothing of that. But still, karma is created. And so, Swamiji is very consciously put in there, sattvic charity. Make sure that nothing, it could be a beautiful thing, thing that you're doing, 
but let there be no binding in the process and especially let there be not even a tiny vibrational hint of the other person now being obligated to you in any way. So it has to be that kind of charity. Service to holy persons. Again, I love that. He doesn't just say service. He doesn't say go help uplift mankind and, you know, go out and preach the word. Go banto, Bhagavad Gita, so on and so forth. Service to holy persons. There is no other service really to be done. I mean, in truth, service is to be done only to God. But because we don't know how to serve God directly, it's like, man, really, no, you know, it's like this man whose mother is going through a hard time and he doesn't quite know how to serve God. He knows how to serve his mother. But he doesn't know what's right for her, wrong for her, whether he should pray for her in this way or that way. So it becomes a little hard to serve God as that abstract, impersonal, infinite reality. And therefore we use holy persons, our gurus, saints to serve. They are the ones worth serving. And then through them, if it happens to be that they are serving the masses, then we serve the masses. If they're saying, do it in this particular way, do it in whatever their particular mission is. And if you resonate and vibrate with that mission, that's what you need to serve. Serve the saint and not whatever that particular outward manifestation itself would be. Again, because you see, these are all realities about, these are non-binding qualities, or at least not entirely binding qualities. If we serve a saint, we bind ourselves to the saint and his consciousness, which is a great thing to be bound to. If we serve whatever we think we're serving, whether the world, whether people, then we bind ourselves to them, just as that charity was suggesting. The rest, more or less, you know, uh, self-explanatory. As I said, I do enjoy the one that says, disinclination towards fault-finding. Krishna mentions this once before he calls it the carping spirit. He says to Arjuna, you who have overcome the carping spirit, and that's what that is, the carping spirit is this natural tendency we have to find faults. And it's not even like we're looking for the big faults, or, you know, it's like some, just that tiny complaints, just constantly, just slip into daily conversation. You know, just like, we don't even think of fault finding, we don't even think we're really complaining. But that's the vibration that we just keep putting out over and over and over again. And so that's something. And I love that though, it doesn't say that this person sees no fault in anybody. He's not saying that at all. Disinclination toward fault finding. Like you see it all. I mean, you see what exists. You know, a, a saint doesn't become some sort of a naive, uh, ignorant person. You know, people are not all, 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 all expressing the divine. There are a lot of them are expressing the demons, as Krishna himself is saying. But there's no inclination to address those faults, to put more energy into them, to draw more and more of them out into your own consciousness and into the consciousness of those around you. So that's another very, very powerful one. Because it's so practical and it's simple. Things we do every day. So here Krishna just says, you know, these are, I believe there are around 26 odd such qualities that he has mentioned. As I said, it will be lovely if you can take these qualities for a bada bada and just put them somewhere visible. 
make them maybe a screensaver of sorts. Starts with fearlessness, shifts to purity of heart, shifts to disinclination towards fault, fault finding, so on and so forth. And just, you know, say, all right, today let's try fearlessness. Today let's try this and then let's try that. And when confused, what should I do? You just look at these 26 qualities and you say, hmm, which one of these could I possibly address in this state of confusion? Fearlessness I'm not quite yet courageous to make this step. But yeah, I could, you know, do a little straightforwardness where I'm like not thinking too much about myself. I'm honest, I'm being modest, I'm just ready to put myself out there. Tell that. So if I can become aware that in one way or the other I'm attuning to a divine quality, then that quality works on our behalf. Rather than just kind of going into things blindly just because your desire led you there or just because a subconscious habit led you there. You know, draw and say, wait, which divine quality could I possibly be um, expressing in this moment? And if you bring your conscious awareness to that divine quality, it starts to kind of get activated in your being. So there we go. So that's Krishna talking about divine qualities. That's the Daiva. That's that upward flowing energy inside us. And we can really tap into that whenever we feel the need to. Verse 4 starts with vainglory, arrogance, self-conceit, wrathfulness, harshness, and ignorance. These, O Pandava, mark the person whose nature is demonic. It seems like, oh, this is very small. There's only a few handfuls, but then you'll see he'll just go on and on and on. Now there's a lot of long lists. One that I'll kind of want to pick on, fine, vain, glory, arrogance, self-conceit, wrathfulness, you know, anger, all these things, you know, it's like harshness is one that's, um, again, one of those more daily realities. Just, we can be a little harsh sometimes, can't we? Today at lunch, some of us were talking about loud voices and Narayani Tashu. Shurjo has a very loud voice. When we're having two conversations, I'm in that corner and he's here and I can hear his conversation more than I can hear the person because we were having fun and laughing around it. But there's a certain truth to it, isn't it? That the quality of our voice, whether it has that little vibration of little harshness, a little overbearing energy, it doesn't like a soft voice and a sweet voice naturally makes you soft and sweet. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a vibration that we put out through our voice especially. Harshness is not just of the voice. It's, of course, a mental quality. But it's expressed most tangibly through our words and through the kind of um, not just loudness, I don't know, yeah, tone perhaps is the right, the, uh, you know, that vibrational quality of our voice. So anytime you feel for any reason that you're getting into a state of agitation or there's something not quite right, just watch how you speak. Swamiji in his book, Living Wisely, Living Well, I don't remember the exact thing, but he has these multiple of them where he talks about different qualities of voice. And of course, he says the nasal voice, <laughs> like the complaining voice. You know, the moment your voice starts getting more nasal, which you know, like, mm, my voice is mostly nasal all the time. So I hope I'm okay. But yeah, you know, just become aware of your voice a little bit and see whether it carries that particular quality of harshness, because it's a conscious thing. I I I want to use my tone, my words, to make somebody know that I'm displeased or that I'm better, 
or that I know what they're up to, yeah, so on and so forth. So just watch for that particular thing. There are many more qualities we'll be going into, so don't think that's the only demonic quality we have to deal with. Divine qualities lead to liberation, simple enough. Demonic ones lead to continued and increasing bondage. Fear not, however, Arjuna, you are endowed with divine qualities. We forget that this is like, you know, we think this is a scripture and Krishna is really just about to give it to us. And when he's just having a conversation with Arjuna, these little moments make this whole process so personal. So like in the moment, this is Krishna telling Arjuna, don't worry, you are fine. You have divine qualities. Don't think that he naturally assumes us as well. But that's what's going on. Krishna is not saying, hear ye, hear ye. I am about to impart upon you this great knowledge. He's just, hey, Arjuna, what's up? Oh, I'm not feeling so good. I don't know if I should do this. Hey, you know what? You should do this. Here are the things that I'm about to tell you. It's really friendship. And that's how the Guru works with us, through that friendship that we open ourselves to. Not some sort of, I declare upon thee kind of energy. So, just a very sweet little hint of that moment of Krishna's just naturalness towards Arjuna. There are two types of men in this world, the divine and the demonic. I have described at length the divine. Now hear me, O son of Pritha, Arjuna, on the subject of the demonic. When we did this uh, satsang on Sunday and we just, you know, we had this whole thing like, maybe we don't understand super consciousness, let's first understand subconsciousness. Sometimes we don't understand what it means to be a warrior, so let's understand what it means to be a wimp. And again, it's just Krishna kind of really tuning into that reality because it helps. It's easier for us to fool ourselves that when I read those 26 things, and I say, yeah, I'm fearless. Yeah, I have purity of heart. Mm, yeah, you know, I'm truthful. I, all those things. It's easy for us to think, I oh, yeah, have 26, uh, 24 marks to mil jayenge, 26 may say. But when we go into the demonic, we realize, well, wait a minute. I actually, I do have a lot more energy here as well. So I can't fully claim to, you know, be established in the divinely inclined flow. The demonic do not know the meaning of right action and do not know when to refrain from acting. So this is the first thing to tune into. Now, again, it's important to realize when Krishna is saying demonic, don't superimpose your idea of what a demon is on this. Don't think he, these are bad people. Don't naturally assume these are horrible people. Demonic qualities, again, let me re-establish it, are those qualities that lead to further separation, bus, further separation from the light. The farther you go in that direction, yes, evil does come into play. Yes, horrible people do come into play, but not necessarily all the time. If you read the scriptures, you see there are such wonderful asuras as well. Not all asuras are some, you know, how, how, how type people. They're like noble people. Some asuras are kings and they rule very wonderfully. But the only thing about the asura being that he's more interested, he uses his will towards separation rather than uses his will towards unity. So that's really the only difference here. And the first thing he's saying is that they do not know the meaning of right action. Now, this is already for us the first blow of self-honesty. Most of the time, we do not know what is right action. Because there are demonic vibrational qualities in us that confuse us that 
fog our mind that we don't quite know kya karna in this moment. And when that exists, know for a fact that that's where your energy is. And an understanding of right action will not come to you intellectually. It will come when your own consciousness rises to the vibration of right action. And so, remember that. The moment you are a little confused, look to shift your consciousness at that moment. Again, as we said, don't look to, how do I you know, overcome this confusion? How do I put energy out right now in the right direction? How do I do something that uplifts me? Maybe I go to a person who's going to be uplifting to me. Maybe I do an activity immediately that's going to be uplifting to me. Don't think you'll find the solution to right action if you keep your vibration at that state and just think about maybe it's this, you know, it doesn't work by creating SWOT analysis and looking at pros and cons. That's how people think they're understanding because right action here is not what is beneficial to me outwardly. Oh, which job will give me more money? That will be the right decision. You know, which friend is going to be a better friend? That's the person I want to spend more time with. Right action is what's going to bring me closer to the light. And so anything you do in that moment to take you a step closer to that light, even if it's completely unrelated to your source of confusion, will already start leading you towards right action. And similarly, they do not know when to refrain from acting, which is another thing we do. We're constantly restless. We sit around and if we can't sit and be still at peace enough times and feel this constant need to, even in good ways, the need to serve, the impulse or the compulsion to remain outwardly drawn, then again, that same lower energy, that energy of separation moves through us. So these are two flows for us to be aware of when I'm confused about what's the right step and when I'm unaware or unable to even for a moment step away from action. In fact, when you learn to step away from action, especially in a time of confusion, that's when the consciousness rises and confusion itself begins to dispel. They say, these are the demonic people, those horrible people, the world is without fundamental morality. There are no abiding truths. There is no God. There is no system in the universe. It is all accidental. There is no aim in life apart from lustful pleasure. Now, when I read this, I said, Chalo bhai, at least I'm not demonic. <laughs> These are not true for me. But then when I read it again, and I said, wait a minute. They may not be true to my mind, but I certainly act that way many times. Now, many times, I never say outwardly, there is no God, but I definitely act as if God doesn't exist because I'm serving Maya most of the time. If God existed, I should be serving solely Him. But the fact that I often serve Maya means that in that moment, I am closed to the idea of God's existence. And that naturally takes me to my demonic nature. Again, nothing bad. Just greater separation from him. Sometimes I realize that there is, you know, I do work for my own pleasure. Narayani loves to remind all of us how much I love food. And you know, there it is. You know, that's a little pleasure. And there, when it comes, I'm not really thinking about God. <laughs> I'm just like, oh boy, that looks good. And that's, that's all it takes. 
for separation, for that worm kira of separation to begin to work through our consciousness. So when Krishna is talking about divine and demonic, he's really talking about a very refined level of awareness. It's a separation of consciousness, not so much a separation of outwardness. And of course, then there are people who are demonic in the greatest sense, who do believe there is no God, who do believe that they're here only for their own pleasures, who do believe there is no other aim and everything's random and everything's accidental. Even that's an interesting one because oftentimes when karma comes to us and we don't like it, we say, which means to us that this must be an accident. Why is this person in my life? Why are these circumstances happening to me? If you do believe in God, if you do believe in the absolute, you'd never ask that question, would you? Because of course God's in this person. Of course this situation is given to me exactly because I need it. So remember how easy it is to fall, to shift from one to another. Which is also a nice thing to remember because don't ever paint somebody one or the other. Don't paint people that you like wholly divine because they're not yet unless established in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, then you can paint them entirely divine and don't paint anybody entirely demonic or low or not worthy of whatever you think you are worth. And always know, I can just as easily slip and I often do in the simplest of ways, in the most unconscious of ways, I constantly slip into those very qualities that I'm seeing in other people and ridiculing in them. Feeble of intellect, such self-ruined men cling to their darkened system of beliefs and commit countless atrocities. They are the enemies of mankind, devoted to its destruction. Again, it sounds big. No, it sounds like, by ye log, kaun hai ye log, of course, we know them, we see them, we see them in the politics, we see them in, you know, greedy businessmen, we see them in some of our colleagues, we see them in some of our neighbors. I mean, they exist. It's not like people with really darkened consciousness don't exist. But again, Krishna is painting a large picture, but we should always, rather than see, huh, who fits this bill, always see which part of my consciousness does relate to this. Because in truth, in some fashion or the other, we're all guilty of these things. We're all enemies of mankind from the perspective that the purpose of man is to love and is to stay entirely in a state of bliss. And anything we do that goes against that love, goes against that bliss, makes us an enemy of mankind. Abandoning themselves to insatiable desires, hypocrites, pretending a noble purpose, filled with self-conceit, insolent to anyone who disagrees with them, and their concepts twisted by delusion, their actions prompted solely by impure motives. Again, I think, yeah, somehow, I don't know why politics comes to me every time I think about this. People twisting the truth constantly, showing that they're here for some noble purpose. I don't much care for any party one way or the other. They're all, they all have wonderful people and they all have you know, these demonic people. So you can't really hold anyone to any one particular standard. But there is this quality in politics to twist 
concepts, to twist high principles and show them as I am here for this great noble purpose while only filling your own coffers, only looking to gain greater and greater power, to consolidate that power so that never again will it leave you. And we do this again in our lives, we do them with our children, we do them with our friends, we do them with our guru guys. And certainly on simpler levels, yet we do them again and again, don't we? Sometimes we twist the very teachings, will serve us better, don't we? Sometimes we just say, oh, Krishna said that we should only be serving, so that's why I'm serving. Oh, Krishna said we should only be meditating, so therefore I'm only meditating. You know, it's just whatever works for me. Let me just find that one passage. Because Krishna never said one passage, did he? Krishna said a lot of passages. Because everything Krishna knows that he's doing, is he's doing a balancing. Serve and meditate. Give and be able also to receive in a joyful manner. Go out, but also be able to rein your energy in. Everything. Krishna is not asking us to do one thing alone. He says, be fearless. But then he says, have purity of heart. Because sometimes in our fearlessness, we can go and hurt people, can't we? Why I have to be fearless to you know, because I have to show how fearless I am. But where's that purity of heart then? So Krishna is never asking us to go with one quality. If somebody tells you that one quality is important and wants to twist that one quality just to support what they're saying, know that it's very easy. And that's why Krishna says here, feeble of intellect. Doesn't mean that they're not intelligent people. Because most of them, in fact, often are quite intelligent to be able to twist these things around. Feeble of intellect is the ability to discern. Their ability to discern truth, right action, light versus darkness. That's where they don't have that. And that's where oftentimes we don't have that as well. So look for some of these qualities in yourself. And then again, just see what are those 26 qualities? How can I shift some of what I have in that direction? I'll just take this last verse now, which is the 11th, not last of this chapter, last for today. Convinced that the fulfillment of physical passion is man's highest goal. Confident that there is no world and no life but this one. Such persons are engrossed until the moment of death in earthly cares and concerns. Now there are people like this, aren't they, who just say, this is it. I'm going to live this one life to the absolute maximum, which means I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to sleep as late as I want. I'm going to go out as much as I want. I'm going to fill every desire I want, so on and so forth. We've been there. I mean, I've been there when I was younger. I thought that's what life is all about. And fortunately, having done enough of it and found only disappointment, my mind was able to turn and say, you know, that doesn't work. But some people, it takes longer. Some of us, there are certain desires that take a little longer, certain we're able to realize quickly. And again, this one that says, there's only one life. You don't have to look to people who say there's only one life. You and I may sit here and say, no, I believe in reincarnation and I believe in karma. But sometimes we don't act like we do, don't we? Because when we act in ways that we are ignorant of the consequences of our actions that's what it means to live in the delusion that it's only one life when we're completely aware that every action of mine has consequences that i will carry with me lifetime after lifetime only then are we 
in the awareness of reincarnation and karma. So we too get deluded sometimes. When our consciousness goes down in separation, when we get a little bit more egoically involved, when we get into a little darkened state of you know, self-centered awareness, that's when we don't realize that everything we do, everything we say has consequence. Not if a person heard it, tabhi consequence hoega. Jo aap apne man mein bol ro, jo aap apne or ko ho, you complain about somebody else somewhere else. I mean, it all has consequence. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's a... <laughs> to live knowing that everything has consequence would make us all just so aware so mindful but we're not always so aware and so mindful and so we go around most of what a demonic quality is a quality of separation is it's just a subconscious habit and therefore as master said fortunately the subconscious habit does not have as much power as a conscious action so even if you're subconsciously complaining subconsciously you go into a mood more from subconsciously you get easily irritated if you instead make a conscious action to go in in the other direction that one action will have greater power than that multiple subconscious actions so keep doing that don't just this is how you know it's okay i'll try something else just keep putting energy out put those 26 qualities up there every day look at them every day see this is what I'm going to work on today. Today, all my actions are going to somehow kind of fulfill to whatever degree I'm able to this one quality. And then you'll see a sudden shift because it's actually not that hard to move from being an asura into being a deva. It's just a question of direction, nothing else. So that's a great start to the 16th chapter. Indeed. I was thinking about the first divine quality mm. of fearlessness. And I love what Swamiji says, that that's an attitude that one has when there is nothing we need to protect. And of course, here he's talking about the ego. And that's something that we love to protect daily like every minute that's the only thing we are constantly living for protecting our ego and i was thinking that there is one particular word that we overuse and that word keeps reinforcing that sense of i the ego and keeps separating us from those around us and of course from us and the divine that word is i know and that's a word that we are constantly using it and we use it in so many different intonations one of them is i know other times we say, I know, I know, I know, I know. Other times when we want to sympathize with someone who is, you know, judging other person, I know. <laughs> and there is another one, which is the one that I really like that. 
What was the other one? Anyway, there is another one that says There's like, some in which you don't yes, even say like, it. I know. <laughs> you know, and we are constantly reinforcing that sense of self-identity. And the truth is that we don't know. <laughs> even though we think we know, we have no idea what's going on because only God really knows what's going on with our lives and with those people around us. So I would like to propose as a good experiment for this week, first of all, to pay attention how many times you use that word, I know, or I know, I know, I know, or I know, I know, or whatever, <laughs> in whatever way you have the most tendency of repeating that word. First of all, pay attention to it, and secondly, try to avoid it for a week. And perhaps we can substitute that word for true. That's true, because if you know that that's true, might as well use the word, that's true. I agree rather than, I know. So I think this could be a very fun practice, just to see how many times you are constantly reminding yourselves how much you know about everything and everyone. And just play with that thought and see if you can set aside you know, that expression and that assumption <laughs> that we know about everything and everyone, because the truth is we don't even know who we are. And the real purpose of this lifetime is remembering who we are. So let's not pretend that we know because sometimes a little insight doesn't mean that we have received the full knowledge of the purpose of our lives. So let's do that. Let's become aware of how many times we say, I know. And the moment we become aware, let's substitute that word with the word true or You're right. that's right, you are right, <laughs> uh, I agree with you. And see if that will help to, in fact, be generous in your opinions of other people and unite yourself with their points of view of you and you will see that bit by bit you will be developing that sense of unity with everyone around you rather than making clear that you have a point of view and you know what's all about i think this will be a very good practice for all of us to tune into and see the results. Perhaps there is a big shift in our consciousness and bit by bit we will really remember that it has nothing to do with us knowing or not, but what flows through us and how we can share that consciousness that flow through us to others and open ourselves to invite others in that consciousness. Thank you. I hope oh you will remind <laughs> me every time I say I know because I, I don't know, I may not be as aware of that fact, so you and I can make a fact. Yes, let's do that. <clears throat>